now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Take me to the Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir? I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew for Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. We are joined by a special guest to help us kick off today's virtual cruise through the latest aviation news and information. His name is Scott Ashton from Aerox. Do I got that right, Scott? You sure do, Captain Greg. First time ever. Wow, right out of the... Right out of the block there, Dennis. I'm on a roll. Yeah, Captain, I think he hasn't listened to the show long enough to realize that you're still not, you're still a student pilot. Well, what does that have to do with me uh, getting it right for the first time? You had to bring well, me down. <laughs> put, br- had to bring me, put my feet back on the ground like that, Dennis. How dare I gotta you? I got to keep you grounded, Greg. Okay, all right, whatever. But uh, anyway, Scott from uh, Aerox is with us. Uh, and and basically, you've heard the show before, and you decided to talk to us anyway. Is that the case, Scott, or what? Under duress, but yes. All right. All right. He, it was I'm forceful listening. Here. Yes. Well, no, we appreciate it. We kid, uh, but uh, you crossed paths. I don't know if it was flight pass. Maybe it was with uh, Captain Dennis, and that led to your appearance today. So fill us in. Fill in the rest of the class there, Dennis. What happened? Well, uh, remember a couple months ago, I went down to uh, Naples for the uh, U.S. Air Expo, where they had a lot of uh, new aircraft on display and also some other exhibitors. And right. as I'm walking around the grounds, you know, looking at all the airplanes that I can't afford, I, I happen to see the Aerox booth, and I, I couldn't help but notice the fine choice of attire that Scott was wearing. Yeah, Which he was actually had what? a Mooney logoed sweatshirt on him. Like, hey, uh-huh. nice. And so, of course, that struck up a conversation. And it turns out uh, Scott's very interested in getting a Mooney. And I come to find out that Aerox is actually headquartered just uh, just south of us uh, in Bonita Springs. Okay. Which, you know, is in the Fort Myers area. So there you it's go. like so we you, have a lot, of, a lot in common. You, and, and it started a conversation. One thing led to another. Uh, your love of Moonies. And then uh, he actually said, uh, hey, we do this Just Plane Radio thing. Uh, Scott uh, checked it out, and he's been listening ever since, I guess. Is that right, Scott? I listen every Monday morning on my way into work. Okay, so he's a little delayed on the podcast. That is fine, uh, but he's still here. So uh, he's a glutton for punishment uh, regardless. So but we appreciate you joining us today. Now, first off, Thanks. for those who don't know, what is Aerox exactly? So it's uh, Aerox Aviation Oxygen Systems, and we produce oxygen systems for general aviation, uh, EMS, uh, business air, business aircraft, and some commercial applications. Um, like uh, like Dennis said, we're down here in Benita Springs, Florida. We've got uh, FAA, PMA, uh, TSO, oxygen masks, PMA cylinders, uh, and all we do is oxygen systems. So I've got the engineers on staff and some OEM applications, and uh, I purchased the company uh, about a year ago, and we're in the process. If you hear banging in the background, we're in the process of moving into a brand new, uh, bigger facility here in Benita Springs. So it's hmm. an exciting time in uh, in Aerox history. Got it. Now, uh, you know, I, I am not a certified pilot as of yet, and I think I know why you need oxygen systems in your aircraft. But uh, but you say you do all types of 
installation. So what are you the kind of company that like Michael Jackson went to when he needed an oxygen system to keep himself looking young back in the day or something or no? Uh, well, it doesn't work because I try it. Oh. I don't look young. Yeah, so. You look fine to me. We got him on closed <laughs> caption video. I can see him. He looks like you're uh, a handsome okay. man, Scott. Don't sell yourself. <laughs> well, thank you very so, much. I hope my wife is listening. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but you need this if you want to fly at altitude, would that be the only application or is there more to so, it than that? Yeah, there's, there's a little bit more to it. And, and Dennis and I actually have one more, uh, intersection of, of, um, of, of knowing each other, and that's where both fast team reps with the uh, with the with the uh, Tampa Fisdo. Huh. So, uh, as a fast team rep and as a CFI, uh, you know one of the things that we learn as instructors is the law of primacy, and that which is the first learned is best learned. And we teach our students uh, ninety one two eleven, which is as we most mostly all know is that uh, you need oxygen above 12,500 for if you're over over 12,500 for more than 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So so that's what gets ingrained into us uh, from from our earliest uh, flight lessons. And I'm sure you learned that from your flight instructor as you were taking your flight lessons. Yes. I learned it uh, and I quickly (laughs) forgot about it. uh... And and that's typically (laughs) what happens because, oh, I don't fly above 12,000 feet, so I don't have to worry about oxygen. Right. But but the reality is that the physiology and the regulations don't merge uh, and and that you should be using oxygen during the daytime, anytime above 8,000 feet. Our physiology is that such that uh, uh, we'll be at oxygen saturations below 90% uh, above that 8,000 foot. So we should be on oxygen above 8,000 feet, regardless of what the regulations are. Got it. And, and so that's what we've been trying to get out to, to to pilots and in fact we had one actually stop in yesterday and pick up a system he was at naples and uh was headed back home and was going to go up to was going to go up to altitude and he showed me a picture of his girlfriend passed out in his airplane uh and they were cruising along at eight thousand feet and they had the uh, pulse oximeter which every pilot should have in their uh, in their flight bag and you know they were in the mid 80s at eight thousand feet so uh he he called us and said hey can i pick up an oxygen system before i go home and uh, he was very happy, and and uh, you know it's all about flight safety. Of course, uh, so, yeah. You don't want yeah. people passing out in your aircraft. Well, maybe you do. <laughs> you go up a little bit higher, and the and the kids will settle down in the back, right? Well, okay. Uh, uh, I won't say that I've done that, but I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think we have uh, protective child services on line three. Uh, but regardless, well, they, don't, they don't remember a thing. So you know. Well, there you go. Exactly, the perfect crime. Interesting. Exactly. All right, you learn all kinds of things uh, sometimes. So, but but this Aeroc system uh, yeah. is it a portable system, or do you have to have this installed, or what? Well, we've got a, a number of different systems. So we've got portable systems that you can buy. Uh, and just put in the seat back. It comes complete as a package with a, an aluminum cylinder and cannulas and flow meters mm-hmm. uh, for each of the users with a, with a bag. Uh, so that's our portable system. We've got emergency systems, uh, which are which are either an aluminum or, or a composite bottle that you can actually carry around with you. And those are popular with airlines and, and specifically cargo airlines um, and flight test operations where each individual user has to have a portable system uh, on their person because they may not be at a crew member station. Hmm. Uh, and then we've got installed systems. So we're on a number of OEM applications and, you know, like in the Mooney, when you plug your cannula into the overhead, uh, you know, we sell those kind of systems too, which come with a bottle and a regulator and all the lines and tubing and fittings. And, and Got uh, it. Which one are you getting, Dennis? Obviously you're well, going to be upgrading yours. 
Well, we have the portable system, of course, just because, uh, you know, to have to physically install a tank into the Mooney that takes away from useful load if I'm not going to need it. And, mm-hmm. you know, then you got to have all the considerations of removing all of the interior to run the lines and things like that. And, you know, living in Florida now, I don't have as many opportunities to go above 12,500 feet. Uh, if I was still back in Minnesota, you know, running out to South Dakota or something like that, you have more of a chance to find some opportunities to go higher, to go over stuff. So, I think the portable system is a good compromise. You know, you can use it when you need it, leave it home when you don't. It's easy to service because you can just take it in the car with you down to the local FBO to top off the oxygen uh, or, you know, just head to AirOx's headquarters, whatever. They might be cheaper. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, how much of a, of a cost are we talking for a system like that, uh, Scott? Our, our portables run anywhere between uh, uh, $500 to $1,100, depending okay. on the different types of options and the size and the number of users. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like a very uh, reasonable cost or price to pay for a little added safety for your passengers. And, and, and honestly, it's it, it just you just feel better when you land. You know, I've, I've, We've all cruised at eight, even at 8,000 feet. If you're up there for a few hours, the effects of hypoxia accumulate. And, uh, I, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've landed and just, and just felt completely wiped out and gone home and, and slept on the couch for a few hours. And, you know, just being on the oxygen, uh, during that time you land, you feel bright and awake. It's go. like a oxygen bar in the sky. Exactly. You know, well, I there's see a the... reason why casinos pump oxygen. <laughs> That's right. Get up there and you'll spend your life savings. If you start playing poker up in your airplane and the website is what Scott? Aerox.com. A-E-R-O-X.com. All right. Good stuff. We got more similar to that coming up on Just Playing Radio. Stay close. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Do you have a message or product you need to share with the aviation world? Well, look no further than Just Plane Radio. Just like you, thousands of aviation enthusiasts are hearing this message. And we could be talking about you and your product or service as early as next Saturday. Remember, a terrible thing happens when you don't advertise. Nothing. Go to JustPlaneRadio.com. Send us an email and let us get to work to make your marketing message matter. 
Airplane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. If you build an airplane and people are afraid of anything that flies, you can't just take the wings off of it because at that point, all you're left with is a really slow, super expensive bus. We built an airplane. We gotta fly it. Airplane, airplane, don't you go down today. Take me away off to a better place, you know. This is Just Plane Radio. I am Gregor, co-pilot, along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information. All right, so last week, I, I, well, actually, it's been a few weeks now. We were talking about that uh, water landing after sun and fun. Uh, I mean, it was like uh, a p- perfect landing in an emergency situation of a uh, archer. Is that what it was? An Avenger. Avenger. That's what it was. Right. Classic aircraft, uh, you know, it made the mainstream media, you know, you don't want to see these kind of things happen, but you, when they do, you want to see them end this way where nobody is hurt. The pilot walks away. I mean, the plane, I don't know if it was a total loss, but definitely got soaked pretty good because he landed it right there in the uh, ocean uh, by all the beachgoers and they got quite a show. <laughs> they weren't, Some they weren't even at the closer. air show. <laughs> yeah. And they got uh, the best seat in the house. But, um, you know, we were talking about how the, the pilot who, who found himself in this situation lost power, landed, uh, did a picture-perfect water landing of this aircraft, and once again, everybody walked away, and hey, that's a win, right? That's what we learn. And, uh, you know, any, any crash you can walk away from is a perfect landing in uh, many, uh, many people's minds. It's aviation. extra credit if you can use the airplane when you're done. Well, right. So I guess there was that. But everybody was pretty much giving this guy rave reviews uh, about this whole, you know, how he pulled it off. And it was. It was, was kind of like a Sully type of thing. And a lot of praise was heaped up on the, the pilot. And, and I was one of them. I was just like, hey, you know, if that's going to happen, that's what you want to see. That's how you want to see it go down, right? Well, now, a few weeks later, the Internet is kind of turned on them quite a bit. Now, you've seen these videos on YouTube. I have as well. And uh, they're starting to come out and say, well, you know, yeah, he landed the plane perfectly, but, but they're starting to point the finger like he shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. This was a... I don't know, a domino effect of errors that uh, he may have had, or at least people are starting to say this. Now, I'm not taking a side one way or another, but it's interesting because there's been, I guess, he, the, the pilot, and I don't, I don't want to say his name because, I, I, you know, I don't want to pile on uh, because there's always two sides to every story, but he's been involved in several incidents over the last 15, 20 years. So it wasn't the first time he's done this, but, you know, that said, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, whenever something goes wrong, I mean, there's so many factors involved. Uh, I, I don't necessarily feel it'd be good to kind of, you know, change your tune and say, well, it, well, he shouldn't have done this in the first place. And it's therefore it's his fault. I, I don't know. What do you feel about this, Dennis? 
Well, when you look back at the the video of the most recent incident, uh, they've got a lot more uh, information that's been pulled together. And apparently, you know, they took off, circled around, waited to get their uh, clearance into the box, the aerobatic airspace, Mm -hmm. to do their couple of flybys. But almost immediately after takeoff, the other aircraft that he was in formation with um, were telling him that he had smoke. Right. And this airplane was not equipped with an aerobatic smoke system. Mm -hmm. So something was was creating that smoke that wasn't supposed to be. He had 20 plus minutes uh, in which he could have put this airplane back down on any number of runways and not had to have ditched the airplane into the ocean. Right. But we don't know what his side of the story is. Exactly. You know, that's the problem. We don't know what it looked like from in the cockpit. You know, you may have a little bit of smoke. Is it just, you know, rich running engine? If all of his engine indications were fine, his oil pressure was high, his oil temperatures were fine, the cylinder Mm -hmm. heads are fine then there was no real reason for him to abort the mission. And that's probably what he had was a form of get their itis. I need to fly this airplane in this air show. We're up here. We need to do this. And, you know, as long as everything was running smooth, there was no problem. Yeah. Until well, there was a problem. Well, exactly. And, and you know, the, even when you say I got to get their itis, we don't know if that's even accurate. We well, just don't, we don't. know. No, we're, we're guessing right. you know, what was going on in his mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that would be my, my, my gut feel is that, you know, he was focused on making this appearance. The airplane's flying. Everything's looking fine. Uh, I'm just going to go with it. But he did have one more last minute chance because the uh, air boss that controls the air show airspace actually said, hey, I didn't know you had a smoke system. We don't. Right. So even the air boss saw this and, you know, called it out to the pilot. I would think at that point of 20 minutes where it's evident from the ground that you've got smoke that you probably should have aborted and let the other guys fly on. Right. But again, I wasn't in the cockpit with the guy, so I don't want to second guess, you know, what he knows. And he's got a lot more time in Avengers than I do. Well, obviously he has a ton of experience with them because uh, you know, one of the videos I saw on YouTube I actually went back to three different incidents. Well, two other incidents. One where he was uh, the pilot in command of one of those uh, Avengers and ran over on what an RV seven or something because <laughs> he couldn't an see RV6. it. RV six. Uh, and I think it was at Sun and Fun. They were taxiing down the runway. Oh no, that was at Air Venture. It was That's at Air Venture. Okay. Right. So he was taxiing down the runway, and the 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 home built RV six was also taxiing down the runway in front of them. Well, an, an Avenger is a tail dragger, and it's and it's a monster. I mean, you need a type rating for this thing. It's so big. It's mm-hmm. and you're sitting up so high. The pilot has absolutely no forward visibility when you're on the ground because you know it's tail low, nose high. You can't see over that radial engine. Right. So he didn't see it in front of him. Now the pilot that was an awfully uh, weird speed bump. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he might not have even noticed he hit it. Yeah, you know, just it, a crack in the taxiway, right? I saw the pictures. They, yeah, it, it just pretty much destroyed the RV six. Yeah, well, uh, and he's darn lucky that it he stopped where he did because it, he you know sliced through the uh, the horizontal and vertical stabilizers right. and went right up the back of the plane, just short of the cockpit. Mm-hmm. And a few more feet, and we could have had a different story. Right. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know how how people came out of that one. But he he got cited or they're blamed for that one for not looking. Uh, or wait, wait, I guess when when you have that kind of situation in an aircraft like that, you're supposed to do S turns to double check and make sure there's nothing in front of you. Even though supposedly both aircraft were given permission to taxi, 
according to the tower. So there was, you know, some mixed signals there, but I guess he's still responsible for making sure there's nothing in front of him. That's what I that, saw. Absolutely. You're yeah. responsible for maintaining separation from the aircraft in front of you, whether you're in the air or on the ground. Yeah. And you're right. Um, doing S-turns is how you fly air taxi tail draggers. You have to be able to turn. You look out the side window to be able to see in front of you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, evidently he didn't do that or he no. would have seen the speed bump that uh, he ended up uh, running over. So anyway, there you go. It's in a nutshell. You can go look on YouTube yourself and make your own decisions. We're not taking sides. We're just putting it out there uh, because you don't want to be the guy that everyone celebrates or the guy that everyone celebrates and they say, "Eh, no, I'm not a big fan now. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot, and flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. What is this? Somebody enrolled somebody back into pilot school. So what do you say we quit that dead-end job you're in and put your mommy in a real nice home, something with 24-hour care on me, and not one of them Bangham and Binham joints, something really nice. Would be nice to go back to pilot school. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. We're your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information. All right, so when it comes to keeping your aircraft clean, I mean, uh, that, that's very, very important for a lot of aviation enthusiasts, especially for me. Uh, it's, not so how, it's not so much how well I fly, but how good I look trying to do it. Um, that's been my philosophy. Probably explains why I still don't have my private pilot certificate. But that's just me. Don't let me be. Might also explain be, why you do a radio show and not a YouTube channel. Okay. Face for radio. Yeah, I've heard it a time or two. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, but there's actually some new technology that uh, will help you keep your plane clean and, uh, and, and cut down, I don't know, on cost. Well, actually, it'll probably cost a fortune, wouldn't it? 
I don't know. Well, what is the deal? I don't know. What, what's the cost to raise kids these days? You know, I go and put mine to work underneath the uh, airplane with a couple of, uh, you know, little uh, tub of towels. And, that's why uh, you have them. Free labor, of right. course. Right. But, but, but you know, technology might actually, you know, create a problem with that. With uh, I don't know. This isn't a car wash or an airplane wash, or is it? It, it is an airplane wash. Uh, the, the U.S. Air Force has actually created a robot that... Uh, to clean their F-16s. Mm. So, you know, obviously cleanliness is next to godliness and, you know, the Air Force loves their airplanes and they got to keep them clean and shiny, but there's also a practical side to it. You know, you keeping the grime and everything off of them, they fly better, fly faster, but they're also a flying into dangerous environments. They could be flying through hazardous uh, chemicals, you know, in a war zone uh, and they need to clean that off. Well, to do uh, an aircraft wash today takes four airmen, six hours. Wow. To clean one airplane. So can you imagine, you know, launching a squadron and having them fly through, you know, chemical weapons or, you know, smoke and dust from explosions and wanting to get that all cleaned up, you know? Yeah. Uh, that takes quite a bit of time and resources that could be better put to doing tasks like fixing the planes. Well, of course. But is there not, uh, there's not airplane car wash type systems out there? Not or? yet. Uh, really? You know, because so, we'll think you've got the wings, the tail, the engines, and, you know, it's not uh-huh. standardized like a car. You can't just go and put a brush on there and swirl you rip antennas off and things like that. So, I would like the uh, full wash. And then you, deep, 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 you press the code and, and then and get me to true coat on the through. underside. Yeah. But uh, that that doesn't exist, really. They do not have huh. uh, a true automated car wash. There may be some stuff for you know for the airlines that can help a little bit, but it's not a full on, especially to be able to get into these smaller aircraft. So the Air Force has invented a robotic arm that can do the job in one hour. A robotic arm or an entire robot. Well, they they call it the robotic arm, but basically it's a wash bay. They pull the airplane into it, and the arm can go in and get in the nooks and crannies without damaging the aircraft and clean it in an hour flat instead okay. of the, the six hours with four guys that used to take before. Yeah. See, so, I, I picture one of those little Honda, you know, like, uh, you know, robot guys. And then, you know, they, they got like two or three of them running around the plane and it's washing the plane down. And then, uh, of course, every few seconds they take a break and do a dance, you know, <laughs> but it's not that. It's you've just watched like, the Jetsons one too many times. Well, no, that yeah. wasn't the Jetsons. That's just, you know, that one of those yeah. YouTube videos again. You know, you kill time watching those goofy robots that are running around and opening doors and everything. And evidently, they can wash planes now, or for the for the Air Force or whatever. So, but uh, but I, I, it's not like that. It's just a uh, I don't know. It's just one of those big arms, and it moves around on its own, I guess, and yep, cleans the plane. And it's able to do a really you know a good job. And one thing with airplanes, you know, you don't want to be using high pressure sprays and things like that because water gets into places where it shouldn't in the fuselage. And so all of that was taken into account to make yeah. sure that they don't don't do that but still can clean the airplane effectively so you know if they can scale this down to the mooney you know be able to have a little wash rack in your in your hangar or in your uh at your local fbo instead of having to pay the line guy to spend a half a day laying on his belly under the plane this could be a good thing i think we so get more flying in and less cleaning right yeah and i guess it does go back to the jetsons uh the little housemaid or butler guy that mm-hmm. they have uh maybe you start as opposed to cleaning your house clean the plane <laughs> And then she rolls out there and dusts it off and the whole thing. That that's you were thinking though along those lines, weren't you? Yeah, I was thinking, you know, like a more of a, the Roombas and some of the crazy things that we used to see on the, on those Jetson cartoons back mm-hmm. in the day that they did all the tasks that you didn't want to while you sit around with your lemonade. But the problem is, uh, once again, you're going to put your free labor out of work 
and that doesn't really add up on the financial well, side of things. Well, your kids, it, of course. Yeah, is what no, I'm I know what about. you meant, but <laughs> you know how well that works, right, Greg? So you know how many times they've done it versus me, right? Yeah. Well, and in, like it's free. You got to feed them, you know, to put them in school and pay. Yeah, they end up costing way more than sometimes it's just easier to go do it yourself besides it's therapeutic too so i mean there is that you know it'll tell you about tractor therapy how he finds it uh soothing to go and uh, harvest the corn you know sometimes it just is nice to get on the on the belly on the other hand though sometimes you just want to get it done and get back in the air make the airplane look good and true would be a great way to do it quickly yeah ed's thing he's looking at it as an escape (laughs) so but that's a whole different issue i think uh, but um, a lot of guys can relate, I think. Anyway, that's uh, one thing to look forward to or avoid in the future, depending on your perspective. Uh, when it comes to uh, flying aircraft, we actually, I don't know, these guys didn't go out of business. They just decided to pull the plug on this particular uh, supersonic aircraft idea. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. They decided that, you know, due to a lack of uh, funding options, uh, that they had to pull the cord. And uh, they, they shut the business down suddenly over the weekend here. So Arion Supersonic, um, they were working on the AS2 Supersonic Jet. They were going to be building a, a big facility near you in Melbourne, Florida. They had General Electric working on a special version of a, an engine for them f- to be able to do, you know, over Mach 1 cruise and I think these guys were even potentially being looked at by the Air Force to come up with a uh, supersonic Air Force One at, at some point down the road. And yeah, yeah, it uh, it's all gone now. Uh, right, they were know. working on this uh, whole idea of being uh, able to fly at supersonic speeds without making all the racket too. Right, correct. They were reducing the sonic boom to the point that it would become acceptable to fly over land, which you know up until now has been. Uh, you know, only over open water because the sonic boom was so uh, noisy to the surface and potentially damaging. And that's what limited a lot of the Concorde's appeal. It could only come into like New York or Orlando. Uh, and once it came over over the land portions of the routes, they had to slow down and uh, not so efficient. Hmm. So, so what, could, what was the problem? They just didn't have the money or was there some other issue or problem that developed or do you know? Or do we it's know? money. It was basically access to new capital to continue the development. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars was going to be required to continue developing this aircraft. You know, mm. there all of the aer- aerodynamic testing that was required, the new engine technologies, being able to you know quiet the sonic boom was you know taking a lot of a uh, lot of research, a lot of investment, and uh, they just realized that they weren't going to be able to do it. And rather than blowing all the money and having nothing to show, uh, they they pulled the plug. Hmm. Well, that's a shame because, you know, you always think faster is better and uh, someone has to be out there, uh, you know, pushing the envelope. But do you think they're being eclipsed by things like SpaceX and and Virgin Atlantic and all that kind of stuff as far as uh, flying through outer space, maybe? Well, you know, that's not too far off, Greg, because if you can get into, you know, if they can scale up the uh, the Starship program uh, with SpaceX, I mean, what's to stop them from do you know launching out of Boca Chica, Texas, and right. vertical landing you know mere minutes later in London, you know by using a suborbital profile? Uh, yeah, it's it's, not, it's uh, possible. <laughs> well, there you go. See, uh, you know, it's just uh, I, it could be a conflict there. Maybe that's why they just didn't win this particular race. Uh, whether it's space or just speed, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see and hope for the best. All right, more coming up on Just Plane Radio. Just 
Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. With Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Why are you going to the airport? Flying somewhere? How'd you guess? Uh, I saw your luggage. And when I noticed the airline ticket, I put two and two together. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, Law Captain Dennis. All right, so um, I haven't got my private pilot certificate just yet. I, you know, it's it's kind of on my radar. I'm uh, planning to get back in the cockpit here uh, in the next, uh, you know, couple months. I got a few more things I got to get through. Uh, get out of this whole COVID craziness uh, officially, but uh, it seems like it's finally opening up well. So I've exhausted all my excuses, and now Dennis actually came up with a suggestion that might be dirt cheap. And uh, so what does this entail exactly, Dennis? What do you you have in mind? Well, you recall we uh, talked to the folks at uh, Wright Rudder Aviation out of Inverness. Uh, They were the folks that uh, were talking to us about that Pipistrel Panthera. Right, the 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 successor to the Mooney. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, they're also an established flight school in Inverness, Mm -hmm. and they have a very unique path to the private pilot license. And what they're doing is for the low price of $2,999, they'll take you from zero to private pilot glider. Private but the, pilot glider, but I don't want to be a glider pilot. Well, so here's the deal is that they don't actually take you up in an actual glider where you're getting towed up. They use a motor glider, the Pipistrel Alpha Trainer, which looks like a you know normal like a Cessna 152 with motor on the front and wings on the top. Right. Actually is certified as a glider, meaning you can shut the engine down and soar. It has a good enough glide ratio to actually be able to catch thermals and ride. But there's no reason you have to shut the engine off. So it flies like a normal airplane in the pattern. But they can certify you as a glider pilot in as little as 10 hours uh, of flight time. That's eight hours with an instructor and two hours of solo time. I saw the uh, video on YouTube of this and I was intrigued. I was like, huh. Really, ten hours—that's all you need. And uh, but what what does having uh, your glider pilot license do for you if if ultimately you want to become a private pilot? It gets you into the air by yourself and able to take passengers with you, you know, right away. Because yeah. once you get your private pilot glider, you're able to fly at night. You're able to fly with a passenger. You're able to go on cross countries. So I will tell old- you this isn't gonna uh, this isn't gonna work well with my particular scenario. If I go to my wife and say, "Hey, hey, ten hours, I, I can take you anywhere you want to go. Let's go." She's like, well, "Oh, hell no!" <laughs> you've got all the hours. I do. So for you, this might be a very quick way to get you refreshed, get you the certificate, yeah, and then I can work with you to do the add-on to get you your full private that would give you, you know, get you around some of the limitations. Hmm. Uh, so I like you know, this it, idea. Okay, so it's close so to you, all um, right. But it, once I got the the uh, the glider pilot, 
you, then you that would give you permission to say, you know, I'll fly around and we'll finish off the private pilot certificate by what? Just working through skills and stuff or what? Yeah, we'll just have to go through the regulations and see, you know, what is the crossover to take you from a, a private pilot glider to private pilot airplane? And it's just going to be, you know, a few extra maneuvers and we'll go do a check ride with Ed. And Okay, you know, well, putting this into scuba lesson lingo, which Dennis can relate to, but maybe if you don't understand, you know, because I am a dive instructor. Sounds like a Discover Scuba course, which basically, if you went to a resort somewhere in the Caribbean, uh, an instructor could take you scuba diving one afternoon, show you some basics, and actually part of that course will apply to you becoming a full-time scuba uh, certified diver if you so choose. This sounds like a similar type of thing. Yeah, sort of, but I think this is more like getting your open water certification, but you know, you're limited to 60 feet and, you know, there's some restrictions. Then you'll go and get your advanced open water and then your rescue and so forth. So, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we'll, we'll get you there. So I, I like the idea. I, I will tell you though, the one thing I, I watched the video and, you know, the 10 hours thing like, Hey, okay, uh, we can knock that out pretty quick. You could do this. It sounds very efficient. But when they took the, uh, the person up that they were showing that was going through this process they got up, I don't know, well, four or 5,000 feet, I think, maybe a little higher. And then uh, says, okay, shut off the engines. I'm like, what? And they shut off the engines and glided back down to the runway. But I'm like, they actually did that. They turned the engine off. Mm-hmm. And that's what, it, but I didn't think we were ever supposed to do that in a plane well, that but has remember, an engine. <laughs> this is a glider. It is a motor glider. So right. it is you know, certified to be able to shut the engine down so you can extend your flight time or soar if you've got good thermaling, which here in Florida, we get a lot of good thermaling weather because you've got a lot of sun warming up the ground. you got a lot of air rising. You can you can fly you I'll know, tell you what, quite a while. For if free. you were up there uh, and you turned the engine off, I think I'd produce my own uh, thermaline, you know, with my butt cheeks because it was, you know, I'm just saying it, that that would be a moment in time where, I don't know if I'd feel real comfortable about that, though. You hear what I'm saying, Dennis? You know, maybe the first time, but I think after you do it once or twice and realize that, hey, this airplane flies with the engine off just as well as it does with it on, and you have the confidence of being able to land the airplane power off like that, I think you'll think a lot more about, you know, safety. And, you know, in the event I have an engine failure, hey, it's no big deal because... I've done this. Kind of that forces was, you to do that. So, do you remember yeah. a year or two ago, Abby was doing some flight training in a Cessna 150, and they were practicing, you know, emergency procedures, and her engine didn't want to restart, you mm-hmm. know, when they pulled it to idle to simulate, yeah. and it wasn't there. Well, she flew the airplane. She continued to circle while, while the uh, instructor was trying to get the engine restarted and working on all of that. And for her, it was no big deal because she had been flying gliders for three years. And this thing flew just like the glider she did. It just didn't glide nearly as well as the glider. Right. But for her, it was just, there's no big deal. This is just, you know, Saturday. Hmm. Just another day up in the yeah. uh, up in the sky. Well, so okay. I, th- it, I, I think it it's a work. good thing. I think maybe every pilot should go out and get some sailplane time for that. Just that reason, the confidence it gives you. I mean, as a commercial pilot, you're trained to do a power off 180 degree landing. Come up, you know, pick your landing spot, pull the engine idle, and you cannot make a change to your throttle. And you need to land within 200 feet of your spot. Uh, you know, as private pilots, we're not held to that standard. But I think it would be very beneficial for every pilot to go out and get some time in that uh, sailplane mm-hmm. and know that you know how to control and manage your energy. 
and oh. be able to make a successful landing with no power. Oh, I like it. I mean, and obviously they've been uh, doing this for a while and it's a system that, uh, you know, works for a lot of folks, I guess. Hey, and if it lowers that cost of entry to become a private pilot to $3,000 and it gets more people interested in our, you know, our hobby, our sport, our careers, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. You don't think it's cutting any corners though? Not at all, because the private pilot glider has always been out there. It's just most people do it in a traditional towed type glider. Mm-hmm. And here you've got a glider that's got a, it's self-launching. It takes, it's a tri- uh, tricycle geared, looks like a, a little Cessna 150. And there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, the guy who uh, was going through the process seemed to enjoy it. And it, it looked like, you know, just like any other training flight. It, with the exception of like they got up to altitude and then turned the engine off. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. What? And I'm just, I, like, once again, I'm putting myself there in the cockpit with them and I'm just thinking, I don't know if I'd be real calm and collected at that particular moment in time. By the time they did that to me, I think I'd be up for it. But when I looked at it and I was like, ah, I don't know if I'd be comfortable turning the engine off. I need that. And evidently. Well, the fans up front to keep you cool, right, Greg? Well, True. There's that. He did talk about once he landed, he goes, you know, this was pretty amazing because uh, as soon as they turn the engine off, you know, you're gliding and it's extremely quiet and very peaceful. Uh, And he said that was pretty magical. And, you know, they get back down, they land airplane, uh, taxi off the runway, and then, you know, they started the engine back up. But he said that was actually one of the coolest flight experience I've ever had. So that part of it does sound pretty enticing to me so i don't know I, i'm a little uh hesitant on one side but i i you you could sell me on this dennis i think uh, this could work and then once we go once we get the 10 hour thing done with that uh, inverness uh, company then you would take the rest over for free right well i don't know about the free part well, I mean, no, my, yeah i think my, that's my training would be free but we're gonna have to find an airplane for you yeah oh the plane part yeah we gotta get the plane thing it's always something Oh, well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Till next time, remember, there is no better high than learning to fly. Just Plane Radio is brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Morbid. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plane Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlaneRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plane Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Listen up, everybody. I have some news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plain Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlainRadio.com.